Reshaping America, Kurt Flewelling here. Studio's a mess. Not anybody's fault but my own. Oh man, I I could not um, I could not make sense of this pile. But you know, hopefully it'll be a good show. Maybe it will be. Maybe it won't. I don't know. But um, anyway, welcome to 2020. How about that new year? You one of them resolution people? Um, I'm not. I uh, re- resolution people or people that don't make resolutions come in uh, a few uh, few different stripes, I guess. Um, one of which is I don't need any resolutions. I can I can make resolution. I can resolve to do things in July or August or September. I don't need January first for that, which is true. And um, or they are just you know, garden variety, brutally honest human beings that I ain't going to make any resolutions on the 1st of January, on the 1st of March, on the 1st of July. I ain't resolving to do nothing because I'm undisciplined and I'm probably going to, you know, only stop eating pizza for two weeks and then get back to my pig ways or whatever. So, so those are usually the two camps of people that don't make resolutions. A lot of other people do make them and I, I don't throw rocks at them. I'm not saying, Hey, I can resolve to, uh, read my Bible more or eat less pizza or whatever, drink less or whatever. Um, you know, I can do that any day, you know, if it, if it takes January 1st to do it, then God bless you. Do it, and um, I I wish you well uh, within the sound of my uh, of of our audience here in Philadelphia and beyond. Um, good luck, good luck. You know they say most resolutions last about um, you know three weeks, and you uh, hopefully you don't spend money on a gym membership. I used to sell many many years ago. Um, memberships to a gym and subsequently um, ran a gym. And um, it's a a real interesting world. But January is a very, very busy time for people that um, have been eating like and drinking like Vikings from from, uh, Halloween through Thanksgiving, Christmas parties, uh, New Year's Eve parties. and, And, you know, that's that's a rough that's a rough eight weeks for most of us. And People resolve to uh, lose some weight, get in shape, and um, so health club memberships usually balloon in January, and uh, a lot of those people are MIA in February. But I I wish you well. I I don't have a list in front of me. I was looking for a number of lists, and and the lists were just really stupid, so I I was looking for top 10 news stories of 2019, and I started doing that, and I – it was – it, depending on what outlet you go to, and I'm not going to out anybody, but um, boy, uh, some of the the things that they said were the top ten news stories of 2019. I certainly would um, take issue with, um, and and it's the same with resolutions. Um, although I do recall having done this for a number of years, that um, one of the biggest resolutions is indeed. Um, uh, weight loss and uh, getting in shape and, and all that stuff. So, um, you know, people do resolve to do that. Uh, drinking's another one. People stop, um, 
stop drinking for whatever period of time. And uh, if you have a problem with alcohol, that um, God bless you. Uh, good luck to you. I, I hope uh, I hope you do stop drinking in, on January 1st. And there are many others. Uh, I just threw out Bible study if you're a Christian. Um, read your Bible a little bit more, get up early, you know, things of that nature. So resolutions are good. Yeah, have fun with them. Um, like I said before, the top 10 news stories of 2019, I mean, obviously the impeachment, which um, on this show and several others we have beaten into the ground, um, is is definitely the uh, top news story of 2019. And um we can we can talk about that a little bit. I'm 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 a little weary as many of you are. Um, I guess the latest and greatest is um, Nancy Pelosi is is holding on to the articles um, at least another week, and some contend even longer than that. I just uh, I just feel that every little bit of juice they can get out of the apple and, and have Donald Trump twist in the wind until they deliver these articles uh, to the Senate where Mr. Trump will be um, acquitted either in a short trial, long trial, probably be a short trial. Um, I've heard some of the most bizarre theories uh, that they're they're never going to deliver the articles. Um, I, I don't know. I, I really, with with this bunch, um, I, I, I cannot tell you what goes on with 100% certainty in the mind of uh, Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, um, Jerry Nadler, and many, many others. Um, I, I just can't. It, we, are, we are living in times where uh, these folks are capable of just about anything. And the uh, cast of characters, except for a couple in the Democrat um, debates that, that – um, hopefully are winding down, but we, we still have a few more. We, we are at the uh, airing of this show about a month away from Iowa. And as, um, as it were, um, Pete Buttigieg, believe it or not, from what I heard today is, is polling a little bit better than, um, than Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren. Um, so, I mean, go figure. Um, but uh, the the craziness that is going on and the burn it all down mentality that is um, that it seems to be somewhat prevalent in the Democrat Party today is something that's very very troubling. And you know, if you look at this thing in a um, in a bubble or in election cycles, you know, there there are folks on the television radio that say, "Hey, let them let them keep beating." The impeachment drum. Let them keep screwing around with delivering the articles to the Senate. Let them, let them keep going crazy. Um, you know, resurrecting Russian collusion again and all sorts of things. It, it's just going to get Trump elected. Well, you know, love Donald Trump or hate him, he will um, eventually not be in office anymore, and the presidency as an institution will still be there. The Constitution, uh, albeit on wobbly legs right now um, in the eyes of many, and the branches of government uh, still will be there after Donald Trump leaves. So this this just isn't about a Democrat party that's, um, you know, shooting themselves in the foot and shooting down their chances of, of uh, you know, having someone uh, 
wrest the presidency away from Donald Trump in 2020. Uh, it, it, this thing goes way beyond this. What they've done with impeachment and perverting um, the process and the the trust that has been absolutely eroded in heretofore some fine institutions such as the FBI and the CIA and uh, and many courts out there uh, with all this abuse of FISA warrants is something that is going to long outlive Donald Trump's presidency if he does indeed get reelected. And um, it, it's really, those are the things we should be concerned with um, rather than, or at least in addition to, is Donald Trump going to be reelected in 2020? And I do, uh, I do have some article that indicates in those, um, in those key swing states, particularly in the Rust Belt, um, he tends he seems to be doing pretty well. But uh, what, what I wanted to get to, um, it, this kind of all went down toward the end of last year. I didn't really have a lot of time to uh, go over it, but um, I I understand here that um, Christianity Today um, were calling for um, Trump to be removed from office, as it says here in this editorial page, uh, Trump should be removed from office. And then it goes into great detail as to why they think he should be removed from office. Um, and it has caused quite a quite a stir and has kind of uh, resurrected, excuse the pun, the, um, the debate, um, something that I have been um, kind of ahead of the curve for years on this um, this simmering Christian left that we have out there. And as I've, uh, please bear with me if I repeat myself, I've stated this many times. When I, when I embarked on writing um, a book, I started to do some research on social justice and the Christian left. And I was pretty surprised that at that point in time, which was 2015 or so, it was as prevalent as it was, and I've stated this several times, it's certainly not a a fast-moving, fast-growing entity, um, the Christian right, if you will, or Christians, evangelicals, Catholics, whatever you want to term, um, faith-based voters would probably be the best term, are, are predominantly conservative in thought, um, which usually, and I underscore the word usually means they vote for Republicans. Um, so that that's not changing rapidly, but it is changing. And I'm, I'm telling you, the um, something that I thought was a, a very small, trivial portion of the electorate out there or of uh, the body of Christ that, that cares about elections and issues of the day, something that heretofore I thought was a pretty small um percentage of folks is definitely not small and it is significant. Now, again, uh, I don't think it's growing with leaps and bounds, but it's steadily growing and it is the Christian left and um, social justice is is one of their um, cause celebs, if you will. And the definition of social justice is whatever you want it to be. And we'll go into that a little bit Um uh, in in as the show progresses, but um, I thought the Christianity Today thing um, was an example 
of I mean, and and they do assert, and I will read some of the things that they said after the the backlash. They are, they they assert that they are a conservative entity. They're pro life, pro family, but there are many, as you well know, there are many issues out there that are certainly um, uh, the top ten or twenty issues of the day as it pertains to. Uh, any of us, uh, just because you're pro-life and pro-family does not in any way, shape, manner, or form make you a a conservative entity. And, um, you know, some of the things they said in this article about Donald Trump um, really would make me uh, scratch my head, one of which I, I highlighted here. It said, um, but the facts in this instance are unambiguous. The president of the United States attempted to use his political power to coerce a foreign leader to harass and discredit one of the president's political opponents. That is not only a violation of the Constitution, more importantly, it is profoundly immoral. And, you know, I, again, I, I never cease to be amazed, and this is happening more and more, and I'm going to get to why. Uh, later in the show, but this is happening more and more. People seem to be um, critiquing the Constitution, weighing in on the issues of the day with a thousand percent certainty and credibility. And um, this is an outlandish statement that they made. Um, and uh, the only thing I'm going to pick apart with this uh, statement for the, um, you know, uh, because of time is. It's profoundly immoral. Now, if, if Christianity today is going to write editorials about why presidents should be removed, um, I mean, th there's a lot of immorality um, on both sides of the aisle with many, many presidents over the course of the last 50 years. And uh, I think coming out and, and saying Trump should be removed from office when they have no earthly idea of of um, how, as as I said earlier in the show, the the abject corruption with the Steele dossier, and um, going all the way back to Russian collusion with the FBI, the CIA, um, judges looking other the other way, issuing um, FISA warrants um, with absolutely no um, good reason to do so. That's profoundly immoral that's corrupt and and um, the the article really doesn't go into anything other than some 50,000 foot platitudes of how Donald Trump's a bad guy and um, so you know I, I just um, I, I'm not going to dissect the article but I, I did want to bring it up simply because um, you know it, it does kind of um, my juices have been flowing lately with this article and and our friend Pete Buttigieg, some of the things he's been saying. And, and, and I think it is probably time to uh, revisit who the, the, the Christian left is or or people that, that may not even be Christian. But for some reason, and I know what the reason is, political um, advantage, are are invoking the name of Jesus and taking scripture out of uh, context. And and this phenomenon is, is relatively new because heretofore, I've said this numerous times, um, Democrats had the good sense to not touch, um, you know, not, not to just kind of 
be silent when it came to faith-based issues, if you will, right and wrong issues, if you want to go so far to say that. Um, they had the good sense to kind of be quiet. All you got to do is look at the Democrat platform. And it's clearly something that, in my opinion, Jesus is not down with too much of. Um, and conversely, Republicans used to be, you know, they used to be the God party. Their words, not mine. Um, and I would say uh, all the time that I think God has a bigger problem. Um, and this is what I used to say with Republicans, simply because they had the temerity at the backyard um, barbecue or the VFW stump speech or whatever to purport to be the God party. We're for mom, apple pie, Chevrolet, the Bible, good versus evil, guns versus whatever, you know, and they were the party that, that pretty much said we're the God party. Our, our principles, who we are, what our personal lives are like, how we govern, how we legislate, what we say on the campaign trail it is pretty much closer to the word of God than the Democrat party. And back in the day, and it wasn't that long ago, Democrats basically knew that a lot of this, the stuff in their personal lives, how they govern, how they legislated, uh, the stuff they they said on the the campaign trail, their platforms, as I alluded to before, were very um, not even approximating biblical principles, but downright hostile towards them. So heretofore, they usually had the good sense to just shut up and let Republicans say whatever they wanted to say. And my contention used to be that God, although has a problem with, with let's just say, leftists or Democrats that in their personal life or their, their form of governance or legislative um, record are doing things that harm um, this world or are antithetical to the Word of God. But he has a bigger problem with people that um, – use Jesus, use Christianity, use the God thing to get votes and say whatever they have to say to get mindless Catholics, evangelicals, faith-based voters, whatever you want to call them, to vote for the guy or gal with an R next to their name, and then conveniently go to Harrisburg in the case of uh, Pennsylvania or Washington and just govern or legislate in a manner or in their personal lives conduct themselves in a manner that is doesn't even approximate anything that they were saying on the campaign trail when they needed to tickle the ears of faith-based voters. So my my contention always used to be that God was was pretty much not happy with either of those individuals and probably was more unhappy with Republicans, but things have changed and they're changing pretty quickly in the respect that Democrats, leftists, people that are would never align themselves with the Republican Party or a conservative platform or conservative ideology, are it seems to me are coming out of the woodwork with um, uh, quoting Jesus. And it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing. And they're doing it not because I guess, in my opinion, that they want to further the gospel, they are actually you know, politicians don't do anything in a vacuum. We we know that both parties. So why are they doing it? 
why, why are they why are they starting to encroach on an area that was heretofore pretty much Republican territory? They were the God Party, right? Why all of a sudden in the last few years um, have have you started to see? People like Nancy Pelosi, um, I'm praying for Donald Trump and Pete Buttigieg with, and we'll get to this in a moment, all the absolute outlandish stuff that he's saying and, and folks on the left um, uh, taking scripture out of context, um, assigning words and thoughts to Jesus Christ that were never there. And and they're, they're not even doing it with ignorance, although ignorance is, is a big part of it, but some of them are willfully know that they're twisting scripture and taking things out of context, yet they're doing it anyway. And, and you know, I, I, I have to cut them some slack and say they really, as Jesus said, they know not what they do because you, you could not possibly say these things and purport that Jesus is down with your agenda if you really knew Jesus. Um, you'd be shaking in your boots saying some of these things. So I, I think I think some a lot of it is done out of ignorance, but a lot of it is very care, carefully crafted and it is it is done to um, curry favor favor, excuse me, with a percentage, an ever dwindling percentage of people that really don't know which way they want to go. Um, as far as uh, the Republican or the Democrat thing, the the, co the country, as we have said on the show many times, is pretty polarized. It's pretty um, divided. And I, I think he got about, and this is anecdotal, it's certainly not empirical data, but I think he got about 45% of the populace out there that, um, you know, they're pretty entrenched in in uh, things that are left of center. And there's about 45 that are pretty entrenched with things that are right of center. Now, within those percentages, I think there's a lot more people on the right that are further right. And I think it, within that 45% of people on the left, there's a there's a pretty good chunk of people that, um, that are uh, kind of center left and they're not whack left. Um, it doesn't seem that way because the wacky left gets all the press and all the television time. But uh, in, in my travels, there's a whole lot of Democrats, uh, particularly older Democrats, that are really not happy with um, with where the party's going and um, and some of these things that are that are happening. But um, when we come back on the other side of the break, what I'll do is I'll drill down a little bit further and I'll, uh, I'll get to some of these things that uh, people are saying, particularly Pete Buttigieg. And then I'll, I'll kind of lay out to you my opinion of why this is happening, how it's happening, and what we can do to stop it from happening. This is Kurt Flewelling, Reshaping America. We will be right back. We are back. Kurt Flewelling, Reshaping America here. And um, continuing the discussion on um, something that's been bugging the heck out of me um, lately is uh, how bold our friends on the left have become with invoking God and, and God would not be down with this and God would not be down with that. And, um, and if that's not bold enough, um, actually 
quoting scripture or at least attempting to quote scripture, um, taking it wildly out of context on most occasions. But um, in a macro sense, the phenomenon is pretty amazing. And I'm going to go into um, some thoughts I have as to why that phenomenon is is happening. But first, let's... Um, and, and, you know, uh, leftists or whomever uh, quoting scripture or um, using Jesus or God to um, to forward uh, their careers is not, um, I mean, it's it's a relatively new phenomenon, but it, it's, um, it's happened outside of this campaign trail. I know that um, a couple of years ago when uh, Representative Harold Ford was, um, who, um, he was on MSC, MSNBC for a while. He was in the House of Representatives. He was running for Senate in uh, the great state of Tennessee, and uh, definitely the Bible Belt. So his, um, even though he was pretty conservative for a Democrat, he was getting out conservative, if you will, if that's a word, or out Jesus, if you will, uh, by his Republican opponent um, toward the end of the campaign, and. Uh, and it was it was kind of sad, um, not kind of sad. It was sad how people were trying to out Jesus one another. And um, Harold Ford actually came out with the, the comment. It is stuck in my brain for a number of years. That was probably longer ago than I think it was. But um, he just said, and I quote, I don't have it in front of me. I, I, I committed it to memory. He goes, I'm sorry. I just can't help it. I love Jesus. And um you know, I had never heard much about him saying anything about Jesus until him and his opponent got into a who loves Jesus more competition toward the end of their campaign. And and that ain't cool for Republicans or Democrats. I'm telling you right now, conservatives or liberals. I mean, if, if you're a Republican and you're running for something and um and uh, you are asked to speak at a, uh, a Christian men's breakfast or something related, um, uh, you know, a, a faith-based entity, and you want to talk about your faith, that's fine. I've always had a problem with politicians of, um, of either party getting behind a sacred pulpit and pounding on it and um, stumping for votes um, under the cover of, hey, I just love Jesus. Uh, and I think Jesus is not down with that either, uh, regardless if you're a Republican or a Democrat. And the irony is, even though this phenomenon of quoting the Bible, um, Hillary Clinton, when she was running, um, uh, said, you know, my Methodist faith is something that I draw on quite regularly. Um you know, I, I'm not going to – Hillary Clinton is so corrupt. I, I can't I can't sit here and, and take the remaining whatever minutes here to, to chronicle how that comment about her Methodist faith does not square with about a million things in her life. So I'm not even going to do it. Um, but, um, you know, the phenomenon of, of, of using God or quoting scripture – or torturing scripture or or perverting scripture is is being done lately with more and more regularity by folks on the left. But you know, and and we'll get to this in a moment when I go into uh, the five entities that are kind of um, 
kind of uh, perpetuating this, but I can I can do it a little bit right now before I read what Mr. Buttigieg said. Um, the biggest uh, culprit is the African American church. Um, when that's the saddest, if if you have a church that is a rainbow church or a church that is fast and loose with scripture, they believe wholeheartedly in some and they flush other scripture down the toilet. Um, you do get Pete Buttigieg type comments from the pulpit and Pete Buttigieg has cover with churches like that. But where it's really disturbing is traditionally African-American churches. And there are a lot of fine, particularly in Philadelphia, a lot of fine African-American churches that believe wholeheartedly in the Bible and they are evangelical churches and they do not uh, promote this nonsense. But there are more than a few that during um, political season, you will see them take their Christian hat off, put their political hat on, invite some leftist lunatic into their um, congregation, or excuse me, into their church behind their pulpit to pound on the pulpit and tell you the Democrat Party is the God Party and they are they are for you and God is for them. And it and, and the amens are flying when it, it's a crying shame because if the congregants in that church just did a cursory review of that politician's personal life, his or her uh, record of governance or his or her record of legislating, um, it would be replete with things that are antithetical to that Bible that every one of them in that church holds near and dear. So in that respect, shame on a pastor of, of any church, but I'm just I'm just saying that there are some in the African American church that look the other way when these politicians are invited in, and they have to have meetings about this with their elder board, and say we are going to invite in this politician or that during election season, knowing darn well that the 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 politician is not a pro family politician, not a pro life politician, and many many other issues for that matter that make Jesus weep and they invite them in anyway. Now that that's shameful in my opinion and that is just my opinion. So let me let me go to uh, what Mayor Buttigieg um, said. If, if you recall, um, you know he's made quite a number of comments uh, on the campaign trail um, and he was actually down with, and we we chronicled it on the show a couple of shows ago about the, um, the pastor in California that depicted Jesus and Mary and Joseph in cages as refugees, um, uh, you know, uh, which was absolutely insane. And and so Pete Buttigieg has said many crazy things um, in the past. He previously argued that Republicans were hypocritical for pushing biblical values while taking food from the hungry. Um, he was uh, very much one of these uh, calling uh, Jesus a sojourner and a, a, uh, a man without a country, uh, very similar to um, the uh, people in the caravans that are fleeing from Central America. L let, me, let me state some, some facts here that are undeniable 
Um, and, and this one hasn't really come up specifically, but I've heard it over the years um, when Democrats talk about homelessness um, and they said Jesus was homeless. He was certainly not homeless. Um, Jesus was poor. There's no indication Jesus was poor at all. Joseph was gamefully employed. Um, I'm, I'm not saying um, uh, Joseph had a Cadillac, but there is nothing in Scripture that would indicate that Jesus came from an impoverished um, upbringing. It just, it just is not there. Joseph was gamefully employed. Jesus himself was gamefully employed before his ministry at the age of 30. So this, this just abject nonsense that Jesus was homeless, he was born. The, the, the latest one that Mr. Buttigieg has uh, suggested is that Jesus Christ entered into the world as a refugee. It's insane. Um, he, his family, um, per the Romans, had to register for the census. So um, a pregnant Mary went from one city within the country to another city. Um, I don't know about you. I travel quite a bit. Um, if I'm going from one city to another and there's something going on in that city that I'm either aware of or not aware of, and they don't have a room for me, and I go 30 miles down the road and they don't have a room either, I'm not homeless. I still have a home somewhere. I'm not a refugee. I'm not I'm not running from anything. I'm I'm trying to get a roof over my head for that evening and to imply that the baby Jesus was born into the world as a refugee huh. is 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 staggeringly presumptuous on the part of Mayor Buttigieg. And I'm going to be kind and say that I kind of believe that he is not aware of how silly that is and how horrible that is to take scripture and twist it for political advantage. I'm not going to go as far to say as, as he knows darn well what he's doing. He may, but I'm not going to go that far. But um, these things have been tried um, and they have, they have been um, happening with a greater degree of regularity in the last years. And as I said before, it is the constant drumbeat of an ever-growing entity, which is the Christian left. Now, we get to how how does the Christian left even emerge, and how how does it how is it um, how is it growing? Albeit not not rapidly, but certainly steadily. How is it growing? Um, again, from s some historical perspective, um, years ago. Uh, conservative evangelicals along with uh, conservative Catholics and, you know, let's just say faith-based voters said enough. They were not happy with, with how um, politicians were conducting their lives, governing, legislating in the, uh, in the area of um, the judiciary, what they were doing. Um, and so, you coalitions formed uh, the Christian coalition, um, all sorts of faith-based voters that you know kind of looked around and said, you know, ninety percent of us are voting for Republicans. Um, we might as well try, if we can, to get more and more Republicans uh, elected. 
And therefore, if we have more Republicans in the judiciary or areas of governance or president or legislative bodies, it's going to be a better world. Kind of nice in theory, but the reality is over the last 30 years, that's why I left the Republican Party. There's not really a dime's worth of difference between Republicans and Democrats. And I know that's uh, a statement that many of my friends that are conservative, such as I, uh, don't entirely agree with. But um, these coalitions and these faith-based entities um, are only as good as the people that they promote. And if they promote people that just tickle the ears of Christians and say, yeah, 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 I'm pro-life. Yeah, 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 I'm pro-family. Yeah, God, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then they go to Washington and they vote in lockstep with Democrats, then it's it's profoundly offensive. So um, I've kind of broken it down into five entities that are that are taking this thing called the Christian left and 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 kind of um, stoking the fire with it, if you will. And that's why we're seeing Pete Buttigieg and Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi talking about God and prayer. And, and these are things that they heretofore really did not do. Um, the first entity is is opportunistic politicians. Um, and again, they, they come in every stripe imaginable. You could be a Democrat, you could be a Republican, you could be an independent, you could be a libertarian. Um, it doesn't really matter. Uh, if you see that you can gain advantage by using the God card and you do it, you're opportunistic. If your faith, your personal faith, or uh, what guides you in your decision-making happens to come up in, in a debate or conversation or a speech, that's all well and good. But to use God with the express intent of currying favor with a certain block of voters to push you over the finish line to win an election is, in my um, estimation, shameful. Okay? And you see it on the right, and now you're seeing it more and more on the left. And, and I think the politicians that do it either may or may not know better, but they're doing it clearly to gain a political advantage or to to uh, curry favor with a voting block that's going to push them over the finish line. Um, whether they are quoting the Bible accurately, quoting it inaccurately, or um, even worse, quoting it inaccurately on purpose, it's all kind of the same in the respect that they're using the gospel to further a political agenda. So I think folks on the left kind of saw that, you know, we can chip a few people off this voting block here over to our side if we're not quite as bombastic and fire and brimstone as our friends on the right. And they've achieved that. And that's a pretty sound strategy. I don't agree with it, but it's a strategy that works with a growing number of people. <clears throat> now, another entity that is kind of fanning this fire are rabid leftists. Um, they may or may not be Christians. They may call themselves Christians, but they may not be Christians. But these are the folks, and I allude to these guys uh, often, um, they quote the Bible 
but they quote it selectively. So they're not necessarily all the time misquoting it like Pete Buttigieg is, but they are putting an inordinate amount of uh, attention and emphasis on the love of Christ with absolutely uh, to, to the exclusion of any um, uh, thought process as into the um, Christ's respect of the law and right and wrong and of consequence and the judgment of God. Um, they're not entities that that God is big enough to be a loving God and a judging God all at once. And oftentimes, rabid leftists, when they want to quote God or Jesus, often um, want, again, it, it's, it's uh, opportunistic. They want to paint their opponent as a pharisaical, unloving, uncaring um, entity or person that forwards policies that are, that are cruel to people. And Jesus wasn't about cruelty. He was about love. Therefore, vote for us because we're a party of love. Hmm. Absolutely whacked. However, it works. And one of the reasons it does work is, sadly, there are a number of people on the right that are quite pharisaical, that do not fill up a thimble full a glass uh, full of empathy for anybody. They are rules and regs type Christians, and they are very judgmental to the detriment of any love. And if enough of those people are out there, and if people in the media use those people um, or, or say that this is the face of um, the Christian right or Republican faith-based voters, then it works. And they're very, you could very easily exploit the fact that there are many people um, that are Republicans that may very well be Christians or conservatives that aren't very loving. They're not very loving in their rhetoric. They're not very loving in their deeds. Um, they're not very um, loving in coming uh, up with policy that solves problems. Um, they have very curt, matter-of-fact, hard solutions to problems that are complex. And you don't want those people to be the face of Christianity or uh, faith or Christian conservatives or Christian Republicans. You just don't want that because because if 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 that is what the media purports to be a Christian conservative, <clears throat> excuse me, then the rabid leftist is more emboldened to throw out scripture and say God's a real loving God and these Republicans aren't. And that's that's basically what um Buttigieg did on one of his um one of his comments when when he said Republicans don't really care about feeding uh, feeding poor people, you know, um, and, and they find it to be hypocritical. Um, whether it's true or not, perception is reality. So um, another category of these five that I jotted down were unsuspecting, normal, rational, moderate voters. Now, the, these folks are not necessarily leftist. They're not necessarily um, uh, people on the right. They're not necessarily Christians either. They're just normal, rational, moderate, 
people that when they hear Pete Buttigieg talk, what he says makes a lot of sense. And, and now these people, they don't read the Bible. They don't go to church or they may go to a church that doesn't um, espouse um, or doesn't discuss scripture, dissect scripture, educate with scripture, uh, preach scripture that is um, pleasing to hear um, and preach scripture that is difficult to hear. Um, they may not go to any type of church like that or church at all. And those people are very ripe for um, to be suggested by the Christian left. And when they hear something like Republican bad, Democrat good, Republican loving, or excuse me, Democrat loving, Republican evil, um, Democrats love the poor, Republicans hate the poor. They're more inclined to believe that if it's if it's packaged in, in the way that it's being packaged. And their biblical ignorance and apathy and um, can be very problematic. So th this category of people, they're, they're not rabid leftists. They're just people that just kind of pay attention, you know, mildly. But when they hear Pete Buttigieg say something like, you know, Republicans uh, don't care or, uh, you know, they're taking food away from the hungry, they might just believe that. And that's problematic. And that... Um, dovetails me into the the next two categories which we um which will hit at the end of um on the other side of the break and um they are probably the most important entities involved here that are forwarding um or allowing this this um this misinformation that the christian left is is purporting to um to continue and, and continue rapidly. So I'll get to those last two entities when we come back on the other side of the break. This is Kurt Flewelling, Reshaping America. We will be right back. Reshaping America, Kurt Flewelling, final segment here. Um, just to recap, if you haven't been, if you're jumping on late here or just need a recap, um, been talking about the Christian left and why they are... Um, steadily growing and um, why it could be very problematic uh, on a whole host of fronts. But I'm, I'm going over the five entities that I've kind of identified that are, that are in place here that are um, encouraging people such as Pete Buttigieg to uh, quote scripture and assert that Jesus is down with uh, liberal Democrat policies and not down with conservative Republican policies. Um, pretty big assertion, and he's trying as hard as he can um, to forward that. And, uh, you know, he's fallen on his face um, over and over again when when people that really do know the Bible kind of tap him on the shoulder and say, nah, um, Jesus was not born into refugee status. Um, Jesus, Joseph, and Mary weren't in cages. Um, just, you know little details like that. But um, the five entities that I've identified are opportunistic politicians. Those are politicians that could either be on the left or right that see some political value in invoking the name of Jesus or just saying that they're for God um, in order to curry favor with uh, particular voting blocks. And this is not necessarily um, the Christian left certainly is doing this 
um, with more regularity, but this is something that the Christian right has done for quite a while. And regardless of uh, intent, or excuse me, regardless of um, factual accuracy when they're quoting scripture, um, when you put your political aspirations above God, um, not a good thing. Uh, the second category I went over, rabid leftists that, um, you know, um, they may or may not be Christians, but they work in consort with the former group. Um, and these are the type of folks that love to selectively quote the Bible when it seems to be, um, you know, in their best interest or their candidate's best interest to do so. Um, third category we just went over is unsuspecting, normal, rational, moderate, you know, citizens that vote. They may, they may or may not be Christian. They may or may not be Republican or Democrat, but because they're busy working two jobs and just putting their head down, raising their kids, yada, 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 they might not even know that Pete Buttigieg, um, probably should be one of the last people on earth to be quoting scripture and slapping around Republicans, um, for what they believe as it pertains to faith-based issues. Um, and that leaves us the last two entities, um, one of which is the church itself. And I kind of um, touched on this earlier. Um, it's incumbent upon the church to step up. That's where you get this uh, mythical um, separation of church and state, and, and you get people, uh, spies in congregations, just waiting um, to pounce on pastors for um, for violating their 501c3 obligations by uh, promoting candidates and um, and I and I think because of that fear uh, to, of losing that tax exempt status, churches are are very hesitant to chime in when it comes to um, people like Pete Buttigieg or Hillary Clinton or whomever when they quote scripture for political gain and not only do that, but, but torture the word of God and, and pervert it and misrepresent it. And I, I think it's problematic because the churches, you can have good churches out there that know darn well that this scripture is being taken out of context, context and really don't do anything about it as far as preaching or educating. But what's probably worse are churches that really believe that what Pete Buttigieg is saying is scripturally accurate. So they're not only looking the other way and not getting involved, they're actively getting involved and promoting this nonsense that um, Republicans want to take food away from the hungry, that Jesus was a refugee, that Jesus was homeless, that Joseph was poor and destitute. Um, all of this stuff that is not scripturally um, accurate um, to not only not assert that it's scripturally inaccurate, but to go out and assert that it's quite plausible that these things that these politicians are saying is accurate is really, really problematic. And that's why I think you get um, people um, that are that hear these things and and don't really find a big problem with these things. And so I think the church has an obligation when Pete Buttigieg or anybody says something crazy like this to um, call him out and say, you know, a, a politician um, said something the other day. You don't have to name him. 
You don't have to lose your tax exempt status by endorsing uh, anybody, but you just say politician said something the other day. Um, and uh, I'd like to set the record straight. So I, I know that takes courage, but it's certainly well within the church's right to do something like that. And as our time is winding down here, the last category that I think is really um, one of the biggest reasons that the Christian left is growing is um, us as um, conservatives. Um, I'm not going to say Republicans because I'm not a Republican, but uh, conservatives that are faith-based voters, when we hear and see things like this, I think it's it's very incumbent upon us to take our brother or sister aside in a loving way and say, um, hey, you want to go out for a cup of coffee? Um, I heard you say a few things that, that I kind of wanted to flesh out with you and discuss with you and iron sharpens iron, right? Um, let's have a friendly discussion about you know, this pastor in California that has Mary, Joseph, and Jesus in cages and says Republicans are evil and how dare they, um, you know, uh, assert to be the God party or Pete Buttigieg saying that they're taking food away from the hungry or Pete Buttigieg saying that uh, Jesus Christ was was born into refugee status simply because um, uh, the, the, the Roman hierarchy um commanded folks to go back to their city of origin. He moved from one city within a country to another city. Certainly doesn't make him a sojourner or a refugee at all. Um, later on, yes, um, uh, Jesus did and his family did flee um, to Egypt, but that's not what um, Pete Buttigieg was talking about. So you have these conversations with your friends, your family, and you do it in a loving way. Um, you don't even have to mention um, who they, who you think they should vote for, this or that and the other. Just say, this is kind of problematic. Um, what do you think of that? And you do it in a loving way, an instructional way, an educational way, with uh, low emotion and uh, not a lot of crazy rhetoric, and you might get somewhere. So that's, uh, that's my two cents on um, why I think the Christian left or the social justice left is, is definitely... Um, a an entity and definitely something that is growing and definitely something that is problematic in this country. And um, so that's what we got. That's a wrap today. We, uh, we discussed a lot. Hopefully uh, we'll wrap back around your new year's resolutions are, um, are going to be kept and uh, whatever they may be. So I wish you well. This is Kurt Flelling reshaping America. Have a great day.